0: Welcome back to ShimmyCast. This is the third episode of our podcast for dancers and fans of Middle Eastern dance, and I'm your host, Anala Rabari. We have a great show planned for you guys today. We have some answers to our question of the week, news, a book review, and an article about veil work. So let's jump in first we have a couple of answers to our question of the week how did you get into belly dancing and our first answer comes from summer who is from alaska and summer says hi i found your podcast last night searching for belly dance on itunes i was really glad to find it sounds like it's going to be great stuff i'm very 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 much a newbie I've never taken a class yet and the only videos I've done are the Vina and Nina fitness videos. But I'm one of those people that is a research hound when I get an interest in something. So I've been reading up a storm lately. Gotta love the internet. And a local instructor is going to call me if she can get a location for classes sorted out for this summer. I'm excited. I'm not sure I remember exactly when I very first thought I might like to try belly dancing. I've always been drawn to dance, most any form of it, so it's only natural that I'd be curious about this one. I have a hunch that I probably saw a group of belly dancers performing at a state fair. That's the most in-person exposure I had to the subject. The interest and the wish to try it for myself is revived ever so often. There are a couple of reasons, I guess. One is that it's just beautiful, and I'd love to be able to do some of the things I've seen the dancers at the fair do. It looks like magic. Another is I want to feel beautiful, and I want to feel comfortable with my body, and I want to connect with myself. I think belly dancing would maybe help me get there, or closer anyway. Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to the podcasts to come. Sincerely, Summer. Well, thank you so much, Summer. And I just want to say I'm excited for you too. and I really hope that your instructor finds a place for you all to have classes this summer. Our next answer comes from Elena Malente. Hello. My name is Elena Malente, and I am here to tell you a little bit about myself and how I got involved in belly dancing. And I actually was drawn to belly dancing because of the health benefits, uh, wanting to exercise and get my body in shape. And I found this to be a really excellent way to do so. That was a great answer from Alenia Malente. And I want to say it's kind of a special treat for you guys. Um, she is actually a member of the same troupe that I am, Mayra Nawal, in Northwest Arkansas. And next week's episode you're going to be hearing an entire interview with her. It is going to be my first podcast interview, so I'm really excited about it, and I hope you guys are too. And basically, we're going to be talking about mothers and daughters who do belly dancing together. Um, she is part of one of three sets of mother daughters that we have who perform with our troupe. We actually have another or five sets who just take classes and have decided not to perform. So altogether we have somewhere between 7 and 9 sets of mother-daughter teams in our classes and our troupe. And I thought it would be fun to discuss that aspect of belly dancing. I'm not entirely sure it's it's that popular in other places, so I'll be kind of interested to hear if other people know of um, any other troops that have so many mother-daughters doing it together. So that's just an extra special treat for y'all. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the interview that you'll hear next week. So that new sitar sound means that it is time for our news segment of the week. Mostly again this week what we have are a bunch of performances, but I would like to say if anybody has any other information about book releases, DVD releases, um, CD releases, anything of that nature, I would love to include that kind of information in the news section of our podcast. So please feel free to pass along information to me, and I will get it out to the listeners. First, we have every weekend in May, Desert Wind out of Tulsa, Oklahoma will be performing at the Castle of Muskogee in Muskogee, Oklahoma. May 25th through the 28th, the Stockholm Billy Dance Festival will be going on in Stockholm, Sweden. May 26th, the Galactic Tribal Reunion will be held in Albuquerque, New Mexico. May 27th, the Hip Drop Live Tour will be in Columbus, Ohio. May 27th through the 29th, Xmead Seminar and Experimental Middle Eastern Dance in Los Angeles, California. May 27th through June 3rd, the Belly Dance Superstars will be having performances and workshops throughout the UK. May 28th, Ballet for Belly Dancers in Wakanda, Illinois. May 31st, the Devani Dance Company will be performing at the She Lulu Cafe in Birmingham, Alabama. June 2nd through the 5th, the 7th annual WA Middle Eastern Dance Festival will be in Western Australia. June 3rd, Evening at the Oasis Dance Concert in Acne Indiana. Also on June 3rd, Fatima will be in Mishawaka, Indiana. And finally June 3rd, Dancing with Fire, a workshop in Wakanda, Illinois. This has been the Belly Dance News for this week's episode of ShimmyCast. And as always, these events with more information will be listed in the show notes. And now on to a review. This week's review comes from Delilah, who is a member of My Year in a Wall. Uh, So far, a lot of these reviews have been uh, from members of my own dance troupe. But if any of you listeners would like to write a review of some kind of belly dance product and send it in, I would be more than happy to read it on the air. And I think it would be fabulous to hear some of your other opinions about products that you've found that you enjoy, that you really like. This review is on a book called The Oldest Dance by Zarifa Aradun and it appears that this book may be out of print so we're gonna suggest that you check out your local library or used bookstores and I thought about not sharing this review since it is an out-of-print book but I have read this book and I really enjoyed it so I really encourage y'all to go out and see if your library has it or if you can find it in a used bookstore. It's a really good book. So Delilah has to say that this is a wonderful book that she was lucky enough to find at her public library. The book covers the full history of belly dance in every aspect. It is divided into ten chapters which cover everything from the dark ages of dance to the future of belly dance. Chapter six, which covers the musical instruments used in belly dance really got my attention as I have a particular interest in dancing with a tambourine. There are numerous maps, songs, illustrations, and even actual photographs of early dancers, such as the infamous Little Egypt. At the end, there is a reference guide, poems written by belly dancers, and information about the author and illustrator. This book is an easy read and very informative. Anyone interested in belly dance and its history is sure to enjoy this book. So I'd like to thank Delilah for sharing those thoughts with us about this book. Again, it's called The Oldest Dance by Zarafa Aradun. And now for our email and feedback section. I've been conversing again with Arabella who is from the Vermont area. And she has let me in on a secret that she is going to be starting a podcast about Middle Eastern, Eastern, um, I don't, I can't remember if she said Far East or Near Eastern, but um, she's going to be start basically a radio podcast of music and I particularly cannot wait her to start this podcast, and when she gets up and going, she's gonna send me a promo, and um, I'll be playing that here for you guys because I know I'm very excited about this because I'm always looking for recommendations about music and new performers and new music and old performers that I might not know about, um, good CDs, and things of that nature. So I will keep you guys informed about how Arabella is doing with this new podcast and when it's going to be available to you. Now our article for this week uh, actually comes from me. It's a section from a much longer article that I wrote called Nearly Everything You Need to Know About Props and this week I'm going to share with you the section on veil work. And I hope you enjoy it. Nearly everything you need to know about veil work by Annala Rabari. To add some elegance and romance to her performance, think about using a veil. I personally love the sensuous mood that a veil piece can create when the song used is a slow rumba or a bolero rhythm. Veil work is known for its beautiful flowing with dance movements. But how do you select a veil? Veils are commonly made of about three yards of fabric in a rectangular shape. However, some are semicircular shaped. Lengths can range from two and a half to four yards and are usually 45 or 60 inches wide. Most of the time, they are made of sheer fabrics such as silk, georgette, or chiffon. I personally would not recommend sparkle organza if you're going to be making a veil. To make sure that the veil is the right size for you, hold it behind you while your arms are outstretched. There should be at least 12 inches of extra fabric extending beyond each hand. If there is less than 12 inches, then the veil will be difficult to work with because it is too short. When buying fabric that you plan to hem for making into a veil, be sure to ask the person cutting the fabric for you to actually cut the fabric and not rip it like it usually is done. You want to ask them to do this so the fabric won't fray and will be easier to work with. Also, if you think you're going to sew a lot of your own veils, it might be wise to invest in a roll hem foot for your sewing machine as it will give you a nice, professional-looking hem. The color of a veil is usually selected for the way it matches or contrasts to the skirt you are wearing. Most people fail if you use a veil of contrasting color. It should have some decoration in the dominant color of your skirt. I, however, feel that a veil does not have to necessarily match the color of your skirt or have decorations in the dominant color of your skirt. Use the veil to express yourself. Use complementary colors or contrasting ones. Match it to your headdress or your top the main thing is to choose the color that you like and that will make you feel great. So now that you have your veil how do you care for a veil? If your veil does not have trim it will be easier to clean. If it does have trim you're better off seeking a professional garment cleaners advice. Most veils you can take to a dry cleaner or hand wash yourself. Silk resists stains and dirt, so it does not take a lot of soap to clean. Mild soap like ivory, woolite, or dissolved shampoo will work. Always test a small spot to see if the color is going to bleed. Never wash more than one veil at a time, as the colors could mix and ruin your veils. Never soak, boil, or bleach silks. Like most natural fibers, silk likes a consistent temperature, so use the same temperature throughout the wash. If silk gets wet, roll it lightly in a towel, allowing the towel to absorb the water. Never leave it in the towel or in a crumpled condition. Hang or lay flat to dry. If smell is a problem, you might try a light mist of Fabrice but again be sure to test a small part to see how the material will react. If ironing is required press on the wrong side of the fabric. A low setting may be used and the fabric should be pressed while still damp. If it's dry use a spritzer bottle before ironing. Use an ironing board that has an all-cotton cover. Do not use steam setting as it can leave watermarks. And again, natural fibers don't like temperature change. They also do not like extremes for a long period of time. So try to avoid leaving your veils in hot cars during the summer. If you have to store your veil for long periods of time, pad any folds that you put in it with acid-free tissue paper or unbleached cotton muslin. This will help prevent creases meaning less ironing for you and it will also help to protect the individual fibers in the veil from breaking. So now that you've selected your veil and you know how to take care of it, what are some ways that you can use a veil and some tips on how to make veil work a little easier? If making your own veil, you can sew trim to the edges that need to be hemmed. This can help you find the ends by touch instead of by sight when you are dancing. This is also good when you're backstage getting ready for a performance and it's dark in the backstage areas. Trim can also help prevent you from accidentally dropping a veil and the trim can sparkle beautifully when the light catches it as you dance. If you plan to do a routine incorporating the veil and finger symbols, try sewing an inch length of narrow elastic onto the edge of the veil where you plan to hold it. Then you can loop the elastic over each ring finger when entering with the veil, so your other fingers remain free for playing the zills. When choosing your elastic, there is something to consider. You can choose an elastic that will match your skin tone and be less visible, and therefore less distracting to the audience. However, if you go with a light colored elastic, it can become dirty over time, making it more visible. If using a semicircular veil, sew different trim, either by style or size, on the straight edge and the curve from the curved edge. This will make it easy for you to know which edge you are holding simply by the feel of it. If you sew a few tiny beads on the edge of the veil at its points where your fingers hold it when your arms are stretched out, it will also make it easier to tell by touch where to grasp the veil when you're in a dark backstage environment. So I hope you all enjoyed that little tidbit on veil work, and hopefully you've got some good tips and suggestions out of it. And we'll probably be looking at other props and more information on how to also incorporate those into your dance work. So it's about time to wrap up this week's podcast. Uh, just a few announcements. One, we now have ODO up on our website, so you can leave us an ODO to answer our question of the week or to just give us some feedback, and we'll be sure to add any comments into our podcast. We really enjoy that. Uh, Secondly, I bet you thought I was going to forget the next question of the week. Now, I have it right here and since we have had an article about props I thought it would be great to talk to you guys about what is your favorite prop and why and even if you're a dancer who doesn't use props in her own dancing you probably have a prop that you might enjoy watching others incorporate into their dancing and I'm really hoping to see some creative answers out there And uh, there's one in particular that I'm thinking about, and we'll see if anybody um, comes up with it. It's my particular favorite prop, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to wait until next week to see if anybody else has the same favorite prop that I do. So, wow, time has just flown by. This has been a fun podcast. Again, to answer the question of the week, or to give us comments or feedbacks, you can email us at shimmycast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can go to our website, www.shimmycast.blogspot.com, to leave us an audio or comments. And you can follow the link there to our forum board. You can start some discussions amongst each other. It'll be great. This week, um, again, we're going to end every episode like we always do with podcast-safe music. This week's song is Delgaden from the album Eshek by Tim Rayborn. I hope you enjoy it, and I wish you all a great week. And this is Anala Rabari saying shimmy on. again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast at gmail.com. And be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.